Hi everyone, welcome to Talk Racing to Me with Naomi. This week we have a repeat guest on the show, back by popular demand. I was listening to my old show featuring her and the intro I used that day still rings true. May I present Maggie Wolfendale, lady of many talents. She's a host, a handicapper, does paddock analysis and conducts horseback interviews as well. When she talks, everyone listens. You can find her on Saratoga Live and America's Day at the Races. Happy to have you back, Maggie. How are you doing and where can we find you? Um, I am in New York right now and just trying to recover from what was Belmont Stakes. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Have you been able to get some rest and how hectic is that day as well as the week leading up to it? Um, and so not much rest. My feet and legs are killing me still. Um, but that's besides the point. And yeah, no, you, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, so having not quite yet been to a derby, but this year was my first time there for derby week. And I at least made it to Thurby and flew out on Oaks day. And then having done many, um, you know, preaknesses in the past, Belmont's actually the most laid back week. Um, and I think with COVID too, we haven't seen the typical, you know, we don't have a production for the draw. We just kind of keep it Low, or we kept it low key this year, just mm-hmm. having it at the track. Whereas other times we've had it in Rockefeller Center and other areas downtown. Um, and they did finally bring the parades back. And there was one in Garden City, one in Elmont, and one in Floral Park as well. But yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it. But kind of the festivities of each of the Triple Crown races, Belmont can be kind of the the most quiet, actually. So how, wait, the, you were mentioning that you nearly made it to the Derby, but you flew out the day before. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> uh, because Fox wasn't covering it. Um, so w- there was really no reason for me to be down there when we had um, Paul LaDuca there as kind of our, you know, semi-permanent uh, on, on-site reporter. And I... I was there to do an event for Churchill Downs and they were like, well, why don't you do the show for the next two days? And then it was weird with the, you know, the TV rights to the broadcast. We were allowed to show the races before NBC came on, but we weren't allowed to be on site Um, or technically it wouldn't have worked or something along those lines. So I had to fly out on Oaks Day. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah, that does make sense. Oh, it was a shame that you didn't get to see uh, the Derby because it's Honestly, like quite the Thurby, spectacle. Yeah, Thurby was enough for me. Like, I'm getting old <laughs> for uh, the big crowds like that. I, 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 Thurby was a big enough crowd for me to partake in, and I like watching the Derby and Oaks on TV anyway. I actually, so I went this year and I realized that I, I enjoyed being there because it's such an incredible atmosphere and when the gates ho- open, etc. But then I also figured that I don't mind watching it on TV, be- TV because it's so in- intense. Like you mentioned, the crowds and being there, it's quite exhausting. You get back home and you're like, okay, so I need, I need a good 12 hours sleep after this yeah. navigating all of that. So maybe I'm getting old too because I like watching the TV coverage because you get up close so much and you get in all these places that you don't, you know, you aren't going to be there yourself if you're in attendance. So it feels like you get all aspects of the story when you're watching TV coverage, but good TV coverage anyway, which tends to be tends to be the case. Now, getting back to Belmont Stakes Day coverage as well as the, the Friday before and the week leading up, I think the first thing I noticed, and I think a lot of people did, uh, the pony that you were on, uh, he was kind of stealing the show a little bit with his uh, antics. Can you tell us uh, who you were on and what he's like? So his name, his jockey club name is Summer Breezing and obviously known around the barn as Summer, but he is uh, my husband Tom Morley's assistance pony, Axel Solares, and she's had him, well, it's kind of a funny story as Summer started his race career with Christophe Clement when Axel first came from France and galloped for um, Christophe. And then 
she started working for Jeremiah and they ended up claiming Summer and then, you know, they kind of lost him in the claim box a couple times and claimed him back. And then finally it was time for him to retire. So she took him, but she wanted to make him into a pony. So she actually gave him to our lead outrider, Miguel Gutierrez, who worked with him a bit. And so he was like an outriding pony for a year or so. Um, Mm -hmm. But he hasn't worked the races um, for three or four years now. So it was a little bit of a gamble, I'll admit. Um, But like, and two, he's not, he's not, even though I've ridden him um, in the past, he's not my pony. So I'm not, I haven't worked with him that much. But when you have a thoroughbred that has run and, you know, their last experience at the races was being an outriding pony, which, you know, they have to be on point. They have to be ready to go. He has never done the, oh, let me just walk alongside of this racehorse in a docile fashion so Maggie can do an interview. Uh (laughs) He was like, well, I I have to go and catch this horse. We have to, you know, (laughs) follow the field. Like, what's going on? I don't understand. So needless to say, the second day, he was far more relaxed. And, you know, I started going on the more natural side and being on the the left side of the racehorses because that's mm-hmm. what he's used to. Um, and that seemed to help him a bit. But, um, you know, it's all about the reps. It's all about the practice. But yeah, he was, he was definitely um, very excited on Friday. I, I think that's a good word for it. I think I was watching the coverage on Friday and I'm like, oh, up and down we go. Well, you know, as long as she stays next to the horse, we can yeah. still hear her. Yeah. No, he wasn't. And it was weird. Like he wasn't ever really pulling. I mean, he rooted a couple times, but it was just like, ba-boing, ba-boing, ba-boing. <laughs> um, but he never gave me the feeling that he was going to do anything other than that. So that's why I, I you know, was able to roll with the punches, <laughs> literally. Look, it, it made for good television. That's for sure. <laughs> and going back to, of course, the big performances on Saturday as well as Friday, which performance really stood out for you? Um, well, obviously people are all going to talk about flight line mm-hmm. and that was because he, he overcame adversity for the first time. Um, he shipped across the country for the first time. He tried, you know, a field full or well, a breeder's cup winner and a multiple, you know, graded stakes winner, you know, that wasn't the fields that he had faced in California. And he tried it at Mm -hmm. a distance where he hadn't ever competed off of a layoff and all those things combined and with the utmost ease that he did it in, he truly proved himself as the proverbial freak that everybody was billing him as prior. So, um, you know, it's a shame he doesn't run more, but I can see now that I've seen him up close and personal, I can see why, because he's so big and horses that are that big. Let's face it. He's probably, you know, he's probably right around 1200 pounds and you're, they're running on small legs relative to their body size. So, you know, I, I think they do have to handle him with kit gloves and, and do, and they do have to space his races out and not that he's ever had, you know, knock on wood, anything serious, but I'm sure it does take him quite a while to recover from his efforts. And they probably can't be as hard on him in training because you want to make sure that those legs right. are still going to be fully functioning. Well, and two, enough. I mean, he just does it himself. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. horse that, you know, goes out there and breezes in 48 or 46, 58, I should say, or 46, um, week every week with, with restraint. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, I'm sure it's a, it's definitely a balancing act with him. And was this the first time that you got to see him as a physical in person? Yes. So first initial thought, I know that you lay eyes on thousands of thoroughbreds each year. Did he live up to the billing? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 very big, like I was saying. I mean, this is a horse that's easily 17 plus hands. Um, and But it was funny because I watched him school and I watched him train. And he never really turned a hair until they went on the walking ring where, you know, where riders are about to get up. And he went in front of the crowds, and that's when you saw an explosion. And he kind of got out on track and blew up a bit. So, um, yeah, he was he was definitely very, very impressive. And a lot more of a horse that, you know, they said that, although they're not going to run him much this year, that 
they want to give a go to the Breeders' Cup Classic. And I was like, really? But once I've seen it, once I saw him, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes total sense. He looks like a horse that shouldn't be as fast as he is. Yeah, and obviously that would be his first time going further aside from that one turn mile, but actually going around the two turns, but you're highlighting his size. Of course, he's by Tappet as well, so you think that he should be fine going longer. Right, right. Yeah, no, there's pedigree to back him up to get those distances. But, I mean, it kind of sounds like they want to go, I don't know, tentatively, it sounded like they wanted to do the Met Mile, go to the Pacific Classic, and then go to the the Brewers Cup Classic. That would be such a treat if we get to see him in the Breeders' Cup class. Because that was one of the first thoughts I had was, are they going to go for the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile or would they go for the Breeders' Cup Classic? Now, I would personally like seeing the Breeders' Cup Classic just because of the prestige of the mm-hmm. race involved. But I would have understood if they say, well, you know, that's not, he hasn't done that. That's maybe not what we're thinking. So that's good news. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, there were eight great ones on Saturday, 13 races in total. We were already kind of uh, talking about what a marathon it was. There are a few other races I wanted to touch upon as well, including the Ogden Fibs, because that was billed as being, I guess, Latruska's race, right? And perhaps Malafat bringing her A game there and trying to see if she can take her on. But it ended up being a battle between Clarier and Malafat after those strong early fractions. What did you make of that? So, I mean, I couldn't necessarily fault Latruska before going in the gate. Like, I, I, she's always a bit revved up. If anything, she was a little bit more quiet than what she was at Oakland when I last saw her in the Apple Blossom. Um, but I knew that when I watched search results in the preliminaries that she was going to be all over her she was so sharp and you know I think um uh would knew that he was gonna have to do that to to be competitive against Latrusa because he knows what it takes um but then the more I watch and Clarier kind of going into the race I I was pleased with what I saw from her in Oakland but she kind of flew under the radar a little bit. And I knew too with Malafat that Todd was so high on her. Um, You know, I haven't seen him. uh, He was very confident for the whole weekend, but he seemed very, very confident about her and her weight looked great. But then when I saw Clarier warm up on the racetrack, I was like, holy smokes. I've never seen her look that good. And I I even said, you know, she was that high-level sedan last year as a three-year-old, but now she's turned into that sports car, car, into that Ferrari, because everything just filled out. And she's just, she's just the pure, you know, thoroughbred athlete now. And two, she was always one that could get a little... I don't know, distracted, a little bit flustered prior to races. And now they've kind of learned they just keep her in the saddling stall. She goes out on the track. She stays with the pony. And she just responds beautifully to that. So, I mean, it was good. I know Steve Asmussen was having a fairly frustrating day prior to, you know, leading up to the Ogden Phipps. But, um, yeah, and I I hope Latrusk is okay. Um, But the performance by search results and defeat was – Pretty valiant, considering she went through fractions like that and was able to hang on for third. That was an incredible performance from her in defeat as well. And I thought Malafat ran her heart out too. You were mentioning that she uh, looked very good too, but I think I was listening to you at the time and you were saying that they've had some trouble keeping weight on her, but that she's now kind of started to keep that on a little bit, being that four-year-old, you know, lightly raced filly. Yeah, that was their their issues with her last year in that she... um, she skipped races where we were like, well, where's, you know, Malathat and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. So, um, and I remember Todd saying, you know, I, I just don't think her weight's where it needs to be. And she is kind of that because she's such a tall, long, scopy kind of filly that there's a big frame there. So it takes a lot of conditioning to fill it out. And that, so that was only going to come with age. And it feels like now as a four-year-old, she's getting to that point. I must admit, I thought the Ogden Phipps was one of the best races of the day. I thought it was yeah. a t- tremendous, just 
every filly in that race turned yep. up. I guess yeah. Matryoshka was the disappointment. I did. I think I saw some some notes that she came out of it okay, which is obviously very good to hear. That's all what we needed to know. But I wow, yep. I, I loved watching that race. We move on to the next great one. There's so many of them, but I wanted to highlight the Japer as well. Did I say that correctly? I still don't know how to say that. Japer, <laughs> okay, Japer, Japer. Japer. Why is it Japer? What is it named after? Jiper. I tried to look this up. I can't actually I couldn't figure it out. Japer. Um, wasn't it a horse? Oh, now you're now I'm not. I, I tried to look at anything. Wait, 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 hold on. I mean, I can look, look this up. up. Jiper, Jiper, not Japer. You think I'd have this down by now, but clearly, so. Uh, 1959. Yeah, multiple yeah. stakes winner: Traverse, yeah. Stace, Gotham, Withers, yeah. Belmont. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> remember which. I couldn't remember which era it was. 1962 yeah, Belmont stakes winner. Yep. There Woodward, you go. Woodward second. Winner of the Hopeful, 1961. Second in the Champagne. Second in Saratoga Special. By what, what Equibase is giving me, that is. Yep. So, no, nope. yeah, you you're go. right. You're right. Learn something, <laughs> learn something new every day. I, I was over the moon to see Kaza Creed successfully defend his title. I had followed him in Saudi Arabia, where he ran a really close second in that turf sprint cup. And mm-hmm. I just thought to myself, I know he's a six-year-old, but he's still got some good efforts in him. So to show... To show everyone that he still has it on Saturday, I, I was over the moon. Well, it just goes to show you, you know, you you think of the different conditions in racing and a lot of them, or some of them are more conducive to horses being around the racetrack and competing, long, you know, further into their careers for, for multiple reasons. Obviously, you know, the dirt route races hold the most prestige. And so with Colts and uh, they're going to be, you know, swept off to the breeding shed because they're worth so much as a sire, but also, you know, long, actually sprint racing sometimes more so, but dirt racing can be a little bit tougher on them from the physical standpoint. And turf racing is just that much more forgiving in which I think, you know, Mm -hmm. we see horses around for that much longer, but also, in America, there's not as much value in them in the breeding shed. Yeah, I, I love following these horses throughout their career. I think that's something that allows right. the public to fall in love with a runner yeah. and, and to really get to know them, the connections. And well, that's the thing as well in, in Europe, as you know, with those jump horses, they stick around for years and years and years for people really to enjoy them as a star, as the stars of the sport that they ought to be instead of only seeing them for perhaps a year or maybe even shorter so i i absolutely love that and got to, i got to give some love to true valor as well with of course the local connections uh maryland gray emotion fergal lynch running third that was a close finish between the top three honestly and they the i liked now i had this weird um notion with a long shot in there but i i thought you know the mayor ran well too i i feel like she always shows up but yes the top three you know they look the best heading in and they proved it out on the racetrack um so i think casa creed you know there's always that question mark of how are they going to come back from the middle east and Mm -hmm. he looked sensational and he ran that way too he got he got a great ride and trip from louis Saez, you know saving ground and then tipping out and he was able to run them down late yeah i i was I was very, very pleased with it. But you're right. It can take something out of them coming out mm-hmm. of the Middle East, traveling back, the differences in climate, and, and sometimes just getting over that whole traveling sequence can take a couple of months. And for, for an older horse, that could even be more pronounced in a way. But that didn't seem to be the case with Casa. So yeah, over, really, really excited about that. Well, let's talk about the big race, the 154th running of the Belmont Stakes. Uh, Mo Donegal, of course, very impressive kicking away but wow the filly Ness I thought was really it looks like she ran a career best performance on the day oh yeah and she was the one with the most trouble Mm -hmm. uh stumbling at the start uh received a fairly good trip from the but you know what Naomi when I was kind of you know you do research for your shows and stuff and going back and watching Belmont after Belmont after Belmont they are all, for the most part, typically one in the same way in that it doesn't really matter too much what happens at the start as you go around that first turn. But down the backside, you don't want to be 
any more than four lengths off of it. And the majority of the horses actually have wide trips, you know, like two to three wide. For whatever reason, that seems to be the trip that wins the Belmont more often than not. And, you know, she was down on the inside. It took her a while to find the seam to extricate herself. And she really ran on valiantly, um, considering that she hadn't gone beyond a mile and an eighth before. And she'd only done that twice. So Mo Donegal was coming out of the Derby. He had also run the mile and an eighth twice before, but... It, it just felt like he had just a touch more foundation um, to mm-hmm. to be able to sustain that run. But she she never gave up. She was so impressive, I thought. I, I really loved her effort. Now, going into the Belmont Stakes, did you think that Rich Strike would have a chance to become Anna Derby and a Belmont Stakes winner? Or were you kind of skeptical of a repeat performance? Yeah, I mean, you were skeptical. There's so much of a perfect storm that happened for that horse to win the Derby. And not to say that he's not a horse that doesn't have um, a level of talent, because I you have to have some talent to win the Kentucky Derby, right? But let's face it, it took two horses scratching on the week for him mm-hmm. to be even in the race. It took a supersonic pace, and it took a utmost brilliant ride around the right part of the racetrack at Churchill. I mean, how many derbies are won with inside trips? More often than not, the horse <laughs> who saves the most ground in the derby, if it's somewhat of an evenly matched grouping, they're the ones who win. And that's exactly what Sonny um, Leon was able to execute. Uh, though I was worried that, and he still may be, but he might just be a Churchill Downs horse, but at least watching him train, I couldn't find that in him. But once I saw him in the paddock, he just, and I know he won going a mile and a quarter and one, you know, going away. But again, that was with a supersonic pace in front of him. He just doesn't yeah. look like a classic horse, you know, a classic distance horse. He kind of looks like a, a miler or a mile and a 16th type of horse. So mm. he just didn't quite stack up with as a physical um, to the other horse's in the Belmont field. Well, and it took two international horses to set up a, that supersonic pace. Isn't that, you that were hilarious? <laughs> like I, I knew that, uh, um, oh my God, the summer horse. Summer is tomorrow. Summer is tomorrow. I was going to say summer romance for some reason. Um, we knew that he was going to go, but I didn't think the Japanese horse was going to be on top of him like that. <laughs> I, that was insane. No, and and we well we knew that perhaps the pace wasn't going to be there as much in the Belmont Stakes, but we the people did go to the front. But as as I thought maybe would happen, Flavian Pratt then kind of did try to steady them down a little bit so that he can sneak away up front, didn't he? Well, to be fair, the Belmont was run like in the early splits faster than older horses in the Brooklyn at the same distance. Um, you know, the Brooklyn horses actually came home faster, mm. uh, a little faster a bit. Um, but they, what, they went, I think they went 25 in the Brooklyn where they went 24 and change um, in the uh, Belmont. And then it was more like 50 and 48. So they they went a good enough, a good enough clip in the um, Belmont stakes um, relative to what we saw in the other mile and a half race. What did you make of We the People's effort? Did you think that he was going to try and, and sneak away and then and then clear? I remember I was kind of being skeptical, even though that Peter Pan number was, of course, pretty gaudy. Yeah, maybe he's a horse that too appreciated the wet track that day. Um, I really liked him going in. I'm not going to you know shy away from the fact that he was my pick, uh, but um, I thought I thought he might have a little bit more to offer. But again, like I said, it was it wasn't a supersonic pace, but it was an honest, honest enough pace. But mm-hmm. then at the end of the day, I don't think that. For instance, last year we saw Hot Rod Charlie go what twenty two, like forty six, to the half. He ran. Um, the, he ran the best race. No offense yeah, to Central so Quality, not, but I was Team Hot Rod Charlie. On oh, the totally. Day. <laughs> and so, you know, we see that we the people is probably not of that quality. And Hot Rod Charlie would go on to get his grade one in the Pennsylvania Derby. So, yeah, I was I had higher hopes for for We the People, and he deflated them a little bit. 
Yeah. How about Skippy Longstocking getting up? Where'd that third? come from? I so I <laughs> that horse I liked in the Preakness, and then I he comes here and he runs third. I know. Um, that was impressive. I I he always interests me, but he's just probably just a cut below the best. But that was a good performance from him. You know, based upon individual merit, a, a good performance from him. Yeah. No, I actually thought he ran very very well. I know he was. Perhaps I thought he was a little bit outclassed in the Preakness. I thought he was interesting, but perhaps in a little bit deep. So you then don't expect right. that he comes back into Belmont and runs third. But he did run right. better in the Preakness than he'd done so far in his entire career. Like he was truly ascending in terms of his speed figures. So I thought right. he was sneakily interesting. And the fact that he ended up being able to hold on for third was quite something. So yeah, well done the, the Safi Joseph there and Manny Franco on board. Now I want to also go back to the Friday as well. I believe you kind of let us in on your love affair with Jackie's warrior. Of course, he won the true North stakes on the day. What is it that makes you like him so much? Well, just the fact, I mean, I fell in love with him the first time I saw him in the Saratoga special um, up at Saratoga two, three, wait, two years ago. Um, and he's just everything I love in racehorse. Granted, I'm o- I've always been a little bit more partial to to sprinters for whatever reason. Um, and he is just a physical specimen. Like he's so well balanced. He's so strong, but beyond that, it's the way he looks at everyone, at his surroundings, at, you know, horses, at people. He just like looks right at them. Like, yeah, I know I'm the dude. Like, come on, like, <laughs> I know I'm the man. And it just, he just kind of has that almost human-like quality that I love to find in horses, uh, that he just seems ultra intelligent. And like I said, I love sprinters, so I love really fast horses, and he's really fast. <laughs> I love that he's got that kind of confident swagger to it. Totally. That's kind of what he's I'm picking up on what you're swagger. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, he does, right? I've, I've been mm-hmm. watching him a fair bit. I've seen him in person as well, and he just, you know, I'm here. Don't worry. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, I don't know. He's my man. I've just always loved him. And he just shows up. You know, it's, it's great that we have him back for this year. And other than his Breeders' Cup and the, uh, the Southwest, which is beyond him. I mean, Mm -hmm. what has he done wrong? Yeah. I know he finished second last year in the Woody Stevens, but that was a bit of a troubled trip. And, um, he just shows up and I just, I don't know. I just, I've always loved him. And he really seems to be back in peak form as, as well with that uh, Churchill Downstakes win coming into then the true North. He just really seems to be gearing up. And I'm assuming that Steve is working back from that British Cup sprint to try and try and get that on board for him. Oh, absolutely. I would think, you know, he goes, what, Vanderbilt, Vosburgh or whatever, how that goes <laughs> in New York. Um, he loves Saratoga. So we'll probably see him, you know, in the two races up in Saratoga with targets of Keeneland in the yeah, fall. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be quite, that'd be quite something. Now we'll, we'll move on from Belmont. Of course, Belmont takes out the way the first thing that people start looking towards is Saratoga, right? One of the mm. best places to spend your summer. No envy there, clearly. <laughs> it is... <laughs> really really the spot now you and your family move over there does it feel like a bit of a special getaway working holiday or what, what do you like best about the season there well it it didn't until we went to five days a week <laughs> it's amazing how how that extra day just changes your mental outlook you know working six days a week at least 14 hour days is exhausting in a place that you absolutely adore, but you don't get to enjoy it the way that you hope. It 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 was stressful, but now mm-hmm. that it's five days a week, um, yes, it's stressful moving two young children up there, and and for my husband as well with a barn full of horses. That it is stressful, um, but we love it. And in like I said, the the work environment is just so much better now. Um, and two, with fans not being there two years ago, it was just so strange. And then with people coming back last year, it just made you really appreciate the mystique of Saratoga. 
Yeah, I, I came on board when they were running five days a week. So I actually never knew the, the you know, the grind that was six days a week. It, it, it was it was fun. I'm not going to lie. It was just exhausting. You would get to the week before Travers and be like, I'm done. And then you used to be like, oh my God, I still have to make it through Travers. So it's, it, you know... And people be like, oh my gosh, are you so excited to go to Saratoga? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, yeah, yes, go. sort of. But now, now I'm kind of rounding back into, yes, I'm really pumped to go to Saratoga kind of thing. Well, and especially with the crowds being back, the energy that that brings, really that holiday celebration of top quality racing. And you mentioned moving your kids over there, of course, Grace and Willow. And <laughs> how does that go? I mean, how do you combine such a challenging job that demands a lot of your time and attention with having two young ladies? Luckily, I can get up very early in the morning and do a lot of work there then. Um, and then they opened the Open Face House, which is the childcare center on track. And it's open to um, basically everyone that works at the racetrack, whether it's backside or frontside. And it's seven days a week, 12 hours a day so that they're open. So it's, it's really, um, it's last year, it just made everything so much easier because, you know, downstate I had my mom, but our house in Saratoga isn't quite big enough to have my mom live with us. Mm -hmm. And two, it's, it's far away from her house as well. So, um, it, yeah, it's, it, trust me, it's, there's always, Tom and I make a great team. Uh, obviously, that's always helpful in a marriage um, with dealing with the kids. But it's you make it work, and they they enjoy it up there for sure because there's always something going on. There's always something to do. And it's fun as well, I think, for them growing up to see their parents both working in a sport that they're so passionate about and really following you know their dreams and, and their career and setting that example. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I hope they they do appreciate that um, kind of when they become cognizant of it. Uh, so yeah, um, and it's it's kind of like you know Grace has always done it, and so she's like, oh, we're going to my blue house. I'm like, Not really yours, but yeah. <laughs> well, I think I've seen her before holding uh, the microphone as well, right? Pretending uh, to do her little analysis. Oh yeah, she um. She's definitely the performer of of my two girls. She she is not shy at all. <laughs> oh, she might be be following in uh, your profession then, in in due course. That is, of course, yeah. so plenty of years <laughs> to go. Now, I wanted to ask you a couple of other questions, perhaps not related as much to horse racing, or they might. But of course, aside from the usual thoroughbred racing related questions I've had you on before, I wanted to have a bit of a fun chat discussing perhaps your life and career a little bit further. Now you're an on-air TV personality and, and people know that side of you. What might people not know about you or perhaps misunderstand often? Because I'm assuming people feel like they know you when they see you on TV. Um, I What you see is what you get, generally <laughs> speaking with me. I I find it really difficult not to be myself or tone myself down or, you know, make myself even more energetic. Like, that's me. Like, although I'm not feeling very energetic today, but normally I am, <laughs> you know. Um, I I – literally, like, I'm not anybody that hides anything. I'm incredibly honest to a fault. Um, as my husband says, I wear my heart on my sleeve – which might be a fault as well because it, I find it very hard to uh, hold back my emotions a lot of times or my feelings about things. So really, Naomi, what people see on camera is me. Like, absolutely. Well, that certainly makes your, your job a fair bit easier, right? Feeling comfortable with allowing your true self to shine on TV. And I think I can relate to that a lot. I'm, I'm very honest as well. I used to always blame it on my culture, being from the Netherlands, saying, oh, we're just uh -huh. we're just too honest. And then yeah. at one point, someone told me, that like, you've lived abroad for long enough. You can't keep hiding behind that. <laughs> like, okay, maybe it's just me, but I think it's good to be honest. So I, I agree mm. with you there. And I, I think it's important to be transparent in that way. Now, as you're 
clearly at home and, and relaxing. Is there anything that you do outside of work that would make you feel like your best self? Or do you feel like when you are seeing these sources and, and talking about them, that's when you really truly feel like sort of the pinnacle of who you are and want to be? Uh, no, when I'm on the back of a horse is oh. when I feel the most like me. Um, you know, I get people asking me, why do you still like gallop horses? And like, I don't get to that often with the girls and stuff, but, and, and Tom totally gets it. Like if he's, if he ever notices me being down, he knows that all he has to do is be like, babe, I put you on and I have favorite horses at the barn. I put you on, you know, such and such come gallop and instantly my mood is elevated and everything like that. And I mean, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, going to Kentucky for, uh, Derby week. Well, the thing I was most excited about is that Tom and I have our off track thoroughbred that, um, because finding a place around here to board a horse is astronomically expensive and fairly mm-hmm. inconvenient. Um, so we have him with Jamie and Brian Hernandez at their farm in Simpsonville and I got to go ride him for four days. So that was my highlight. <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, not necessarily the Derby lead up, but going to ride 90. No, I I do, and I do understand that because for me it's the same. It's like time slows down and nothing matters when you're on top of a horse. You can yeah. just be yourself, and and I think horses are amazing animals that respect that. It's kind of what you give to them is what they give back. So if you Absolutely. are happy and relaxed, they take that from you, and then together you have this wonderful, just kind of relaxing, hopefully relaxing experience. Or you know, no, no, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of also gets back to summer and maybe he would he knew it but so that friday show the internet completely crashed oh so therefore all of our comms went out too so i got on him with like nothing like with nothing in my ear i had no idea what was going on in the show i had our producer evan on my cell phone just giving me cues so <laughs> Oh, wow. So I don't know, maybe poor Summer picked up on the fact that I may have been a little flustered when I first got on him. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was that was interesting. Uh, that could have been a possibility because that's also yeah. very challenging. I'm assuming that the internet was down because there were so many people at the track and then they were no, struggling to do I don't know what happened. Oh. <laughs> there wasn't that many people there on Friday. I just it completely crashed so all of our comms went out as well so yeah and like Acacia and I had no idea what was going on and we were just flying by the seat of our pants oh wow well (laughs) uh, credit to you both being the consummate professionals because I didn't notice when I was no I I said said that that to Tom and he's like what are you talking about I was like yeah like we've just done an hour and a half of the show without any comms (laughs) it didn't it didn't show. Like for anyone watching no, that was unaware of anything going on, no, I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, so well, good. <laughs> I hope that that's the case for many other, you know, people, people that were in the audience at the time because I didn't see. So no, well done. And you were, I don't know if you want to give away the names of your favorite barn, uh, barn's favorite horses at your husband's barn because she said you have a couple of favorites to get on. Immediately I was like, who? Who do you get on? Oh, love? well, there's locally owned did not run very well in the Brooklyn. So <laughs> that's him. He shows up with a big performance and then he shows up with a non bad performance. He'll come back, right? He'll come yeah. back. <laughs> um, no, but he's such a dude. Uh, and I also, well, he just went to the farm for a little break. There was Salute to America. Um, then um, I we have an old grass horse named Dinah Drive that I've gotten to take for a spin around the infield gallop, which is a lot of fun. And then there's a little horse named Dots Dollar that I also like um, getting on too. That sounds like the perfect way to spend your mornings. I must admit, <laughs> I miss riding out. I haven't done it in a while because of certain visa-related restrictions. Oh, <laughs> but really? When yeah. I when I get the chance, I'm definitely going to get back on a couple of thoroughbreds. Well, you're in trail. Maryland. You can go. To, I can go course? trail riding. I can go yeah. trail riding. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I right. should definitely do that more often than I do. Uh, <laughs> some of the other questions I still have in store for you. Um, what would have been a mistake? that you made in your life that taught you something important that you kind of still take with you? 
Hmm. What would have been a mistake? I don't know. I'm pretty, like, that sounds so corny to say that I'm fairly pleased with the decisions I've made. Obviously, there were some bad decisions in my dating life, but <laughs> but they made me, you know, find Tom and that was like one of the best decisions of my life. So there, yes, some really bad dating decisions that led me to my wonderful husband. That's, that's, uh, now I'm like, okay, so in private, you need to tell me who those people were. And no. <laughs> No need to, to, to do that, obviously, on, on the airways. But I'm glad that you found uh, your partner in crime. In, in yes. And that you got, yep. you know, you got two lovely little girls uh, to show for it as well. And funnily, our, my, our anniversary is today, which I no way. tend to forget. Congratulations. <laughs> That's Thank wonderful. you. I, I think we both make bigger deals out of each other's birthdays than we do our anniversary, so... How many years have you been married now? Because I'm assuming it's the marriage anniversary or is it being yeah, together? Yeah, marriage, um, seven years. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Are you doing anything for it or am I taking up all your time with the podcast now? <laughs> no, no, no. I think we'll go out to eat with the girls, but we do have two trips planned for the next two weekends, which you know kind of took up any anniversary big plans that we <laughs> We're gonna do. We have a friend's we, uh, wedding in New Orleans, and then uh, a big party in California for a friend's birthday. Oh, that sounds like two fun trips. I know you guys mm -hmm. are frequent visitors of New Orleans in terms of yes. with your string as well. So that yep. must be nice to get back. Absolutely. Although we're probably gonna melt because I've never been there in the uh, summer. <laughs> Oh, but it's, I've never been there in the summer myself either, to be honest. I know that it gets warm here in DC, plus I'm getting eaten oh, yeah. by the mosquitoes. So I'm assuming that's similar to New Oof. Orleans. Oh, I, I mean, I can't, similar if, you know, but times 10, I'd say in New Ooh. Orleans, because you're, I mean, you're swamp territory down there. So yeah. <laughs> Oof. All right. Yeah. Some other questions. I don't want to keep you too long, but I'm, I'm way too curious about all these other things. If you weren't working on air, and, and doing what you're doing right now, what else would you be doing? But I'm going to say outside of horse racing, if that's even a thing, if there ever was a chance that you weren't going into yeah. horse racing. I mean, there was a time where I considered like interior design or event planning, something like that. Um, but, you know, I've always kind of just been brought back to the horses. And if I, it wasn't horse racing, then it would probably be retraining them for second careers. Hmm. I mean, it's it seems obvious with your family as well that you were kind of steeped in it from the get-go and that yeah. that's something that you wanted to do and, and continue doing so. And hopefully we'll see maybe your, your daughter's doing the same. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll see. I mean, Grace doesn't seem that interested at the moment, but she is only five. So. <laughs> she loves I'm, being on stage, though. She's a big, you know, dancer and stuff like that, so... Maybe she's my actor. Huh. Well, there, there we go. We might have a movie star in our midst. Hey, yeah. But I should ask her for an autograph next time I see her. I'm sure she'll like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another question. This is pretty random. If you could design a billboard with anything on it, what would you create? A billboard with anything on it? Is there something I'm promoting? No, this is all up to you. If there's something that you would want to promote or something that you want to change or something that you want everyone to know. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So this is the one that just popped into my head. Um, there's a photographer that, well, he, he just used to do it um, from an amateur uh, point of view, but now he's a retired cop and now he actually does work for um, Eclipse Sportswire and whatever. So, but he's always taken these fabulous pictures of horses' heads. And it's almost just like a, 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 not even like a lower third, like a third of their head, basically from right below their ears to midway down their nose. So their eyes are centered. And oh. he always captures the, every horse's personality and intensity. Um, and I think I would just put that on a billboard to, um, I guess, try to promote racing or um, just for my love of horses in general. 
Yeah, and allow people to see them for the beautiful, intelligent animals exactly. that they are. Wait, so who who is this and where can we find oh, these pictures? Because now I want to see. <laughs> so his name's Jason Moran. Uh, he's a local guy. But like I said, he, he used to just hang out on the rail and take brilliant pictures. He didn't need to be you know, in the paddock or out on the track or on the infield, he could just really take some good pictures from the stands. Um, but now, um, so yeah, now he works for um, Eclipse. I think it's called Eclipse Sportswire. So, yes, but I, yes, he's Eclipse on Facebook Sportswire, and it, it, he puts a lot of his pictures on Facebook would be the, my, um, for Mor- Moran Photography. Is oh, can check I'm going out. to have a look mm-hmm. because that's definitely something. And that I guess I'm Instagram too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think that would make a wonderful billboard. Yeah. But that's not that's not a bad answer at all. I think that's a that makes for a beautiful art happy billboard that people would probably like to see. Now another one, what have what would have been the best compliment that you've ever received or something that made you, you know, feel really happy that someone said about you? Well, I'm awful at taking compliments, but <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people were very kind about when summer was <laughs> performing um and you know complimenting my writing and I I feel you know it's something that I've done my whole life but I've always strived to be better at and and just being a better horsewoman so when people compliment that it it really makes me feel good oh because it's something that is so important to you and feels so natural and right yeah to to be given a compliment on that is is something that definitely I I agree with if, if someone tells me whenever I was exercise writing that I had good hands or I was a good writer that made me very very happy yeah that's something that you care about mm-hmm. a huge yeah. amount so I, I get that so probably one of the last questions which person has had the biggest impact on you professionally that could be a mentor or a role model or in any other way really hmm the mo, I mean, it, it's hard to narrow a, a one person down. You know, obviously, I, I would say my mom because I wouldn't be able to do this life without her. I mean, she helps out so much with our children. And, but also, you know, going back, she taught me so much about horses, taught me how to ride, was the first person to teach me how to ride, um, and uh, really taught me the value of hard work. Um, and there's been a lot of people along the way. I mean, uh, love them or hate them, but Andy Serling has, has taught me so much about handicapping. I mean, he really has, I I've learned the most in that area from him and, you know, just your on-air delivery with regards to handicapping. Um, you know, there's been, there's just been a ton of people that I, I can't, singular, you know, single somebody out. But if you you put a gun to my head, of course, I'd say my mother. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty good person to use as your role model and and just in general to to look up to and and the work ethic that she instilled in you. I think this is um, perhaps my final question because you've, you know, you've been on my podcast before, you've been on many other podcasts, you do your own. I, in general, I'm assuming most people ask you all the same questions, right? Kind of standard. What do you think of this? How do you look at the horses? Da, da, da. Is there a question that you think I should have asked you and really showcased perhaps who you are or something that you find important that I haven't asked and any, nobody else has asked? You are stumping me again. Um, <laughs> maybe you kind of hinted at it in, in some of your questions, but like maybe like what, when you asked what would I be doing if I wasn't doing horses and you know, maybe the question also could be what, but why horses? Why, you know, what's, what's your draw to them kind of thing um, is, you know, it's a question that you, for some reason I don't necessarily get a lot but it's why I do this, you know? <laughs> so it, maybe that, that would be it. Okay. So why do you do what you do? Why horses? I know what my answer is, but I'm very curious about yours. They just provide this, there's so much beauty in, in a horse and they, you know, there's such reflections of you. And, and I also think, to be able to have a connection with an animal is, as a human, is is one of the most rewarding things. And it 
it makes you feel better as a person to be able to accomplish that connection with that animal and especially an a thousand pound plus one um mm. that it's it's a feeling that is almost indescribable unless you've had it so for me to be able to stand in the middle of the paddock and maybe not be hands-on, obviously, with every single one, but try to discern different personalities um, of these horses is incredibly rewarding. Like, I love when I say something about a horse in the paddock, for instance, and without being prompted or whatever, the the, the trainer in a post-race interview says the exact same thing, you know, and they work with them every day. So um, that's just a small snippet of my job that allows me to still have that connection every single day. The ability to read horses and understand them perhaps as well. Mm -hmm. To to be able to listen to them. Because as my very good friend, Richard McGillory says, it's not a horse whisperer, it's a horse listener. Wow. I I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I have anything else to add to that, to be quite honest. Perfect. (laughs) Maggie, thank you so much for joining me again i'm sure it's not the last time i have you back on it it's always a pleasure to chat with you naomi thank you so much and and likewise and great offbeat questions (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) always fun chatting with maggie and i'm so grateful for her graciously allowing me to take up some of her time on an important day happy anniversary again tom and maggie and if you want to hear her expert analysis, like I've mentioned before, tune in to America's Day at the Race as well as Saratoga Live starting up again soon. And she also has her own podcast, Off Track, very much worth your time, available on all platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you normally get your shows. And we know Royal Ascot starts on Tuesday, June the 14th. So don't worry, there will be some coverage from overseas to come as well on these channels in conjunction, as usual, with PTF. That's all for now. I hope everyone has a wonderful day, morning, evening, whatever time it is. <laughs>